PX3 is brought to you as always by everybody who supports us at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. It's where you go to go to our Patreon. If you're at the $3 a week level, part of the $3 club. Friends, this is a great week to do it because the Mueller report drops tomorrow. We're doing this show on Wednesday. That means by the time that I do another regular PX3 show, the folks who are on the $3 feed will have already gotten two bonus episodes, one this Friday and one next Monday. If you've been on the fence, now's the time to join. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. And a reminder that we have an interview episode out yesterday. It was with Dr. Michelle Clear. She is a performance psychologist. We talked about how to train your brain to run for president. Fascinating stuff. Go check it out. Enough of talking about how we support the show, though. What do you say we do for the damn thing? Hello, everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Politics, Politics, Politics program, PX3. If you're nasty, is your old boy, Justin Robert Young. We've got a lot to talk about. Things are shaping up. We've got uh, uh, financial information coming in from the FEC. We have more uh, signs that the Mayor Pete Boom is indeed just beginning. We've got troubling signs for some of the early contenders. We've got new contenders. We've got an open slap fight amongst the Democrats in the House. But nothing looms larger. Not even the poll dance. Not even but your emails. Then the Mueller report. The Mueller report will be released tomorrow as I record this on April 17th, 2019. It's going to be very, very, very interesting. This will be a huge day in politics. Effectively, this will be the end point of these two years that we have spent investigating ties into Russian interference in the 2016 election and the Trump administration slash campaign. Now, I don't mean to say that this will be the last we will hear of the Mueller report, nor about anything that happened during 2016. We will continue to hear about this forever. What I mean to say is that anything from now on will be diminishing returns. Nothing will be as potent. Nothing will matter as much as that time we thought there was a prosecutor that could frog march the president out of the White House. From here on out, this is not that blockbuster. This is now a partisan fight, which happens all the time. That's what politics is. Politics is a series of partisan fights. So it is with that that I present to you something that I'm very, very proud to do. I've, I, I've worked on this for, uh, for a while. You know, I've gathered my sources. I've wrote it down. I've modeled it. I believe I can confidently state that what I am about to tell you is accurate. These are Mueller Report Release Day Spoilers. 
8 a.m. The report gets released. 9 a.m. CNN runs a totally out-of-context quote related to collusion. 9.05 a.m. Carl Bernstein appears on CNN and says the out-of-context quote proves that this is worse than Watergate. 9.30 a.m. Trump issues his first tweet declaring total victory. 10 a.m. Politics Twitter erupts with a suspected word count of all the combined redactions. 10.30, at Pope Hat completes a 400-tweet thread pointing out suspicious redactions. Half of the tweets end with multiple question marks. When the thread is reported on CNN, Carl Bernstein says the redactions, specifically the 245th tweet, are worse than Watergate. 10.30 a.m. Fox and Friends wraps up their rankings of best sunscreens to use on your coming summer vacation. 11 a.m. MSNBC halts all news gathering so Chris Hayes can read the report verbatim. Each period is visually punctuated with a raised eyebrow. Every paragraph is ended with a muted... Wow. Noon. Rudy Giuliani makes his first appearance on CNN, handcuffing himself to the desk. 1 p.m. Adam Schiff calls for a hearing on the report itself, not the findings, but to interrogate the actual pile of papers. He declares victory when the subject of the hearing refuses to answer any questions. 3 p.m. Rudy finally takes his first breath since talking non-stop for three hours, including through commercial breaks. 4 p.m. Attorney General William Barr releases a loud, sustained fart. 5 p.m. George and Kellyanne Conway silently make eye contact in recognition that it has been two whole years since they've spoken an audible word to each other. 5.30 p.m. Rachel Maddow finishes indexing the report, marking 478 individual sentences and sentence fragments that will each individually serve as 30-minute A-block monologues well until after Election Day. 8 p.m. Sean Hannity throws a football. 9 p.m. Don Lemon replays each of the 17 times Carl Bernstein called the report worse than Watergate. After each, he issues a muted, wow. 11 p.m. Trump tweets that the report proves Hillary Clinton should go to jail. Those were Mueller report spoilers. Friends, if you like the kind of nonsense that I give to you every Wednesday, then you will really like getting the free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. Five days a week, five stories a day, mostly gifts, some hot takes. And I would like to thank everybody who is doing the Lord's work, keeping the villainous Al Doritos at bay. Google, in league with 
Al Doritos, what we refer to as the algorithm, has been keeping newsletters, the information that you need to live your life away from you. They've been keeping it in the promotions folder far and away from the people who need it the most. If you want to do your part to keep this newsletter for you and every other Gmail user in the place where it is best visible, then respond to each and every free political newsletter. A, I love talking to you guys. I respond to each and every email. And even if it's just autocomplete, you are doing your part. But you can't help if you don't sign up. Freepoliticalnewsletter.com So Bernie Sanders and Fox News are now best friends. Unlikely bedfellows, but you can't argue with the numbers. Bernie went on a Fox News town hall this week, and the ratings were, as they refer to in the biz, BAFO, 2.3 million viewers for Bernie Sanders. This tops the 1.8 or 9 that Kamala Harris did on CNN. Obviously, the odd couple element of this was the draw. You don't normally see somebody as left-wing as Bernie Sanders. He is as left as left gets on what is the belly of the beast in terms of conservative thought and media like Fox News. But dare I say that Bernie Sanders is the one who is playing this game right. Fox News is watched by more than CNN. It is watched by more than MSNBC. And whether or not he is going to get a fair shake, literally showing up shows that he has courage. It takes no courage to say that Fox News is evil and we should avoid it because you might get smashed by Fox News. And in fact, Bernie did. Although the town hall went fairly well, he got smashed immediately afterward as Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity came on. They all destroyed him and they broke him down piece by piece. But that doesn't matter because less people watch those shows than watched Bernie Sanders on that town hall. There's going to be a lot in the next coming months about this new podcast that I'm working on in terms of the, the 1960 election. But the one lesson that we have learned repeatedly when it comes to shifting sands in media is that more is better. You can always look for the perfect soundbite. You can always look for the perfect interview. But in this modern era where everybody is going to pick apart anything, no matter what, all that matters is more. I don't I can't imagine, at least, looking at the 2016 election and looking at all the free press that Donald Trump got and saying, I don't want all that free press. I, I don't care if I'm getting destroyed after it. What mattered to Donald Trump is that all of his rallies got carried live. Nothing else. I mean, that was that was it. So if Bernie Sanders goes out there and he gets in front of that many people. That is what he wants to do. By the way, how do you know he did the right thing? Because Trump got pissed about it. Yeah. Tweeted out that it was weird that Crazy Bernie got such a, hot, uh, such a big platform. That he felt that the moderators were too soft. That he felt that this alongside the hiring of Donna Brazil might show that Fox News is going soft on the lefties then went on to say that maybe Fox News stacked the audience that Trump fans weren't allowed in, and that's why Bernie wound up getting big, audible reactions to things like Medicare for All. 
if you really look at what is going to hurt Donald Trump, what Donald Trump worries about, that's what it is. It's not calling him Trump. It's not making fun of him on Saturday Night Live. It's not pointing out hashtag, well, actually, you used this pronoun incorrectly. What an idiot. Flying water tankers. Rake the floor of the forest. He doesn't care about any of that. In fact, if you're talking about him, he's excited because people are looping him into the core of the discussion, no matter what. This was a proving ground for Bernie moment. And uh, dare I say it, I think that he impressed Donald Trump. Can I ask you guys a question? What if Biden doesn't run? Like, I know he's leading in all the polls and it's fait accompli and this is definitely happening. But every signpost we've seen along the way says that Joe Biden will announce that he is running around now, Easter weekend. That's Sunday. So if it doesn't happen this week and it doesn't happen by the time that I'm doing this podcast again on Wednesday, I think this is the conversation we're going to be having. Is Joe Biden running? Because things that are in motion tend to stay in motion. Things that are inert tend to stay inert. And right now, Joe Biden is inert. We've seen a million trial balloons. We've seen uh, very fortuitous signs that he should jump in, but yet he hasn't. In fact, we've heard rumors that he doesn't want to jump in unless he is assured that he is going to win. Here's something we now do know. Nobody cares about his handsiness. Now, if he's baited into making a mistake because people uh, begin to hammer him on it, then I might change my tune. But as of right now, he's shown that he's got better polling in all these states that he needs to poll in. He's seen his best poll in Iowa. He's seen his lead increase in some of the national polls. Nobody cares that he rubs women's shoulders without them asking and sniffs their hair. As I said in the newsletter, that does not preclude me from believing that as soon as he gets into this race, he will step on his own dick so hard it will fall off. Which, considering he has done that multiple times in his career, I am convinced that his dick grows back like a lizard's tail. But I still believe he will flame out, because that is what Joe Biden does. If Joe Biden were sold in a store, it would have to come with a warning label that he may very well flame out. But maybe he knows that. Maybe he knows that this always ends poorly for him. Maybe he's going to think twice. Just kidding, he's going to run. But what if he doesn't? The FEC Q1 reports are in. Let me explain a little bit about what exactly those are. So we've been talking for the last few weeks about all the fundraising that's happened since the beginning of the year. This officially marks the end of the first quarter. We have heard a lot of the campaigns announce their own numbers up until this point, but this is officially what got filed with the government. 
So there, there was a reason why we had no reason to disbelieve that Bernie had raised 18 million, that we had any reason to disbelieve that Beto had raised 9 million or Pete Buttigieg had raised 7 million because they're about to file it and it's about to get released by the government. So uh, if they lied, it would be the dumbest lie ever, specifically this early in the campaign. Like it would just be stupid. What we didn't know because he had not mentioned it or the campaign had not mentioned it is that Donald Trump raised $30 million in the first quarter. Now, while it is not rare that a sitting president will outraise his challengers, it is interesting that Donald Trump will this time in 2020 have a lot more money than he had going into 2016. Sure, Donald Trump had his own resources to draw from, so I don't think he was ever penny-pinching or hurting, but he didn't have the kind of war chest that he's going to have now. He didn't have the, the need to pull from the scratch-and-dent bin in terms of consultants and surrogates that he had in 2016 now. So I don't really even know where to go with this, except to ask the question. If Trump dominated in 2016 without money, and really when you look at the polls, he was a force from the second that he announced. He had a little bit of trouble in Iowa because Iowa was very, very provincial. Iowa does not like anybody literally helicoptering in at the last moment. They want every presidential candidate to know when their cat died and to send a formal uh, bereavement Hallmark card. That's what Iowa voters like. But past that, he led in the polls. That was a wrap. He, he murked everybody on the Republican side and then had garbage polls going into the general election. But we know what happened. He did all that without substantial money. Past the convention, he had the Mercers and he had Sheldon Adelson. But before that, he didn't have the normal moneyed interest staking his, backing his claim, right? The Cokes still hate him. Remember the Cokes? Remember the Koch brothers when the Koch brothers were the worst thing that ever happened to democracy? Remember them? Remember? And then they hated Trump and they still haven't given a dime to Trump. In fact, they've gone out and said that they might back people that, that are, are, are uh, countering the Trump agenda. They don't like him so much. And yet he won. So this is really an open question. Like, I, I, don't, I, I genuinely do not have an answer except to say we're going to be seeing a lot more Facebook ads. I know that because the guy that's running Trump's campaign now, at least for now, is a digital ad strategist. So we are going to see a lot of that. One last thing when it comes to Iowa. This is a, a bit of a meme that's erupted from the newsletter. But somebody asked from out of the country what the difference between a caucus and a primary was. So I explained how weird a caucus is. And if you're listening to this now, I will explain it to you thusly. People show up to a predetermined room. And then very often, this is what happens in Iowa, you are told that a specific point of the room 
is where you now need to go and stand if you want to support a certain candidate. At that point, like a rhetorical version of Red Rover, somebody from each cluster then tries to convince people from other clusters to come on over. When that time runs out, the person who's running the caucus counts all the different clusters, and if some clusters fall under the threshold, they are now free agents. They can then go support somebody else. It takes forever. Now, on the Republican side for the Iowa caucus, it feel, it is more like a primary. You walk in, you register, you vote, you can walk out. The Democratic one is laborious by any and all reports. So I've had people write in caucus horror stories. If you have a caucus horror story, please write that in to theyoungamerican at gmail.com. All right. One more thing on the bulletin board that I want to talk about, and I need to put the word out. I need to broadcast this to my entire listenership because somebody, somebody was awesome and sent me a few weeks ago video of Mayor Pete Buttigieg walking out on stage during a South Bend, Indiana performance of Wizard of Oz. He was the guest of honor. He walked out on stage wearing wizard's robes and the cast interacted with him in character. It is and was adorable. And I remember watching it. What I don't know is where that video is right now. I don't know where it is right now. It's somewhere in my email, but I can't find it. And so I need the person that sent that to me to send it to me again because I want to put it out there as a PX3 exclusive that Mayor Pete was on stage during a South Bend production of The Wizard of Oz, specifically the moment in which the cowardly lion giggles as he is speaking to the audience. I need for that to be in the world. So if you are that person, please send that video to me again, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Because then I will in fact be proven that I am a professional political podcaster doing a great job. Wrong! Oh, well, if that's the case then, then it must be time for the Parade of Wrong Opinions. Donald Trump believes that Kamala Harris will challenge him for the presidency. Wrong! That is not according to a new tweet, which, by the way, happened after Bernie's town hall. Donald Trump tweeting, I believe it will be crazy Bernie Sanders versus sleepy Joe Biden as the two finalists to run against maybe the best economy in the history of our country and many other great things. I look forward to facing whoever it may be. May God rest their soul. (laughs) Going full Undertaker here. 
with may God rest their soul at the end. But uh, again, to, to go back to, you know, not, not to belabor my point that I think that Donald Trump was impressed by Bernie Sanders going on Fox News. Uh, I, I think that that put him in to the, the running for him, that he under, that, that he understands that Bernie gets media maybe more than he thought. Now, do I then think that he might also suspect that Kamala Harris is more formidable, which is why he wants to cut off literally everybody else? And maybe he does see a little bit of, mm, I don't really want to run against Pete Buttigieg. I don't really want to run against Beto. I don't really want to run against uh, Kamala because she's got that California connection. Well, maybe. He understands where the spotlight is, and he knows that wherever he says the spotlight should be is, is where it's going to go normally. I do believe that he wants to run against either Biden or Bernie. And I believe that that tweet was directed toward Bernie. Because if he's running against Bernie, he is going to be running on the economy. He is going to be saying, look, the economy is great. Why are you going to mess it up with these crazy ass socialist ideas? And I'm not inventing the term socialist here. The dude calls himself a democratic socialist. So if you want to vote for socialism, then vote for this guy. If you're enjoying the paycheck you're getting right now, vote for me. If he runs against Biden, it's going to be the Obama's spied on me. <laughs> that's that's going to be that's going to be the number one thing is why are we I, I've already made America great again. Why would we want to make it worse? That will be his argument. Hey, uh, a Bill Weld has a real shot against Donald Trump. Wrong! The vice presidential nominee for the Libertarian Party has announced that he will run against Donald Trump in the GOP primary. Cool. Hey, those controversial comments have really hurt Ilhan Omar's fundraising. Wrong! Yeah, uh, she uh, has actually seen a tremendous increase in her fundraising. This from CNN. Small donor uh, contributions have helped propel Democratic Representative Ilhan Omar to a big fundraising hall as the Minnesota freshman faced intense controversy over her remarks and drew the ire of powerful Republicans as well as high profile members of her own party in the nation's capital. The Democrat raised more than $832,000 during her first three months in Congress, a substantial haul that puts her far ahead of other House members in Minnesota's delegation and several other closely watched Democrats. And by the way, that includes a lot of the 2020 presidential folks like near a million dollars is what some of the people who are polling around one percent are doing right now. We continue reading about half of Omar's first quarter haul came from individuals who contributed $200 or less. One measure of grassroots financial support. New filings with the Federal Elections Commission show. Of course, Omar is a Somali-American and just one of two Muslim women serving in Congress and has become polarizing in Washington and faced criticism for controversial remarks related to Israel, including charges of anti-Semitism from Republicans and Democrats. She spoke publicly and apologized in February after a backlash from both sides of the aisle for comments she made on Twitter that appeared to suggest 
that support for Israel in Congress is fueled by money tied to the Israeli Public Affairs Committee, often shortened as APAC, a prominent pro-Israel group. Bill Weld has kind of a shot against Donald Trump in the GOP primary. Wrong! Nancy Pelosi really has a handle on the insurgent wing of her party. This is Nancy Pelosi on 60 Minutes discussing the AOC contingent and whether or not they are a threat to her leadership. You have these wings, AOC and her group on one side. It's like five people. No, it's the progressive group. It's more than five. I'm a progressive, yeah. Five people, huh? Five people. That's what the AOC contingent is. Now, she might not be wrong, by the way. I I, I do think that, that, you know, this is a, a group that probably has a little bit more bark than bite these days. However... Uh, uh, Nancy did not stop there, challenging the wunderkind AOC. This is from a Newsweek article. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi played down Democratic victories in districts such as her own and that of Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, fending off calls from some of her party's newer members that politicians need to shift leftward. Ocasio-Cortez defeated a 10-term incumbent Joe Crowley, in a Democratic primary before winning New York's 14th district last November. She is the youngest woman ever elected to Congress and has become the face of a movement that's pushing for Democrats to adopt a more progressive policy. But Pelosi said, quote, when we won this election, it wasn't in districts like mine or Alexandria's. She's a wonderful member of Congress. I think all of our colleagues will attest. But those districts are solidly Democratic. This glass of water could win with a D next to its name in those districts. And not to diminish the exuberance and the personality and the rest of Alexandria and the other members, but the 43 district, we won 43, net gain of 40, we're right down the middle, mainstream, hold the center victories. If we're going to be helping the one in five children in America who go to sleep hungry at night, who lives in poverty in our country, we have to win. Which is to say... Pump your brakes. It does really seem like those two are getting along. Wrong. And finally, Bill Weld will have any kind of shot at all to run for the presidency of the United States while primarying a sitting president. Wrong. Oh. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We got a we got a we got an interesting line here. Smallest state in the union, first primary in the nation poll is out here. Let's go ahead and take a look at the line outside. Oh, it turns out you need 6 percentage points to get in on this St. Elsom poll. Hickenlooper, sorry. Delaney, sorry. Gabbard, sorry. Gillibrand, sorry. Klobuchar, sorry. Cory Booker, sorry. I don't see how you can hate from outside of the club. You can't even get in. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a St. Elsom, New Hampshire. Get on the floor if you got that booty. Oh! 
dance, 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 dance. Oh yeah, taken from April 3rd to April 8th. We are going five wide today. Stepping up first to the stage. The man from the Lone Star State. He's got nothing but time on his hands and his vlog fingers are limber. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give a big round of applause to Beto. With 9% of the vote. Maybe not the start she wanted, but she's still in the game. It is Elizabeth Warren. 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 Oh, we got a little out of order. With 7% of the vote. It is Kamala Harris! Ooh, but look who's talking now. With 11% of the vote, it is Mayor Pete With 16% of the vote, he's the hometown favorite, Vermont's own Bernie Sanders. But your headliner with 23% of the vote, he is Joe, 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 Joe. That is O'Rourke 6, Harris 7, Warren 9, Buttigieg 11, Sanders 16, and Biden 23. A seven-point spread in the first primary of the season. All right, now it's time for But Your Emails. You can always send me an email, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Again, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Tony writes, seriously, your interviews have been fucking fantastic. Don't think that you're interested in going down this road with them, but would you ever consider interviewing candidates? I can see positives and negatives. Positives being that the person or other people like being interviewed and negatives being that the candidates are just there to push their wares. I would love to interview candidates, uh, mostly because I would do an interview that is far different than what anybody else would do. The, the big key is just establishing a rapport and also understanding what you guys want. Whatever you guys want is what I want to do. So if you guys would like me to pursue candidates, then number one, we need to continue to build this podcast because candidates really only come on to speak to audiences. And if you guys are somebody that would like to be spoken to, then that goes a long way. Part of demonstrating that in the real world is spreading the word. 
So if you believe that PX3 is the sole non-confirmation bias theater outlet for any kind of political discussion, then I need you now more than ever to spread the word. The higher we get these numbers, the more likely we are to be a player in the media landscape, and that includes interviewing candidates. We have to do it together if we want it to happen. And come on, who wouldn't want me to ask each and every one of the 2020 candidates to read their own name in the poll dance? You know you want it. You know you want it. I know I want it. Diamond Scoop writes, Bill Weld announced that he's going to primary President Trump. This makes me happy as a Republican because now I can vote for somebody who isn't Trump. Only problem is I don't know what kind of chances he has. Do you think he has any, or am I pissing in the wind hoping that he ever makes it to Super Tuesday? All right. Uh, as I was joking around during the uh, uh, parade of wrong opinions, I do not believe that Bill Weld has any shot. Not because of Bill Weld's opinions, not because of Bill Weld's temperament, not because of Donald Trump's opinions, and not because of Donald Trump's temperament. Right now, the number one thing that people are looking for on the Democratic side is electability. The best version of electability is incumbency. You simply do not give up incumbency. Like, that's, that's it. That's, you know, do you know how awful things need to be going. And I don't mean how much you dislike Trump, how much Trump you might find to be an odious shitbag. I'm saying we need to be in Mad Max world, right? We need to be gas shortages to the point where I'm spray painting my teeth with a, a, a Krylon and, and screaming about how everything is shiny and chrome and stabbing my neighbor. That's how bad things have to be for, to give up as a party the hometown advantage. That's like having the uh, the option to play the Super Bowl at your home stadium and then saying, no, let's just do it in a third-party location. You wouldn't give that up. Never. You would never give that up. So that's why, and also right now, Trump is polling fairly well with Republicans. So I, I doubt that we would see anything like that anytime soon. Uh, uh, if anything, I believe that Bill Weld will be used as a sacrificial lamb and that Donald Trump would love to be primaried because it would allow him to do what he does the best, which is get out on the road and talk to people and yell about how his own party is trying to kill him and how he needs to fight from all sides. He's been besieged by the Republicans initially, then the Clinton machine, then uh, uh, everybody in Congress, then Robert Mueller, and now his own party again. That man loves to play the victim. And if you give him a chance, he will puff Bill Weld up, slice his throat on national television, metaphorically, and then move on. And in the meantime, the fact that the bigger news story is that Trump is getting primaried and CNN will fall in love with Bill Weld and have Bill Weld on every night and make Bill Weld a superstar and have Bill Weld out talking about every little tweet that Trump makes. And next thing you know, Trump will dunk on Bill Weld. Bill Weld will be gone and every single 2020 Democrat will have had less airtime and less headlines than they would have otherwise. So my argument is, 
if you just want Trump gone and you don't care if a Democrat wins, you should be waiting for Bill Weld to go away as fast as possible or alternatively to get as few headlines and as little airtime as possible. And finally, Matt writes, yo, I'd be really interested to hear an interview, ideally, or at least a PX3 monologue about the recently revealed dismal charitable giving of the 2020 Democratic candidates and the charitable giving demographic trends in general. Compared to Obama and Romney, who were something like 22% and 26% of their total income, respectively, the 2020 field, topping out at negative five, or sorry, around 5% from Warren and much less for everyone else, is sad. With capital everything. Obviously, Trump is probably around zero, but two stingies don't make a generous. This is especially interesting uh, given how much focus many of the 2020 candidates have on making people pay their fair share to help fellow Americans. It's really difficult for me to listen to socialists whose income are far greater than mine lecture me on how the U.S. needs to take better care of the poor when I give more money to charity, not even by percentage, straight up dollars, than they do. Yeah, it's an interesting perspective. I, I had not seen that trend, but I certainly will take a look at it. All right. That is but your emails. You can email this show, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Music has been provided by Valesco, Trop Killers, and Incompetech, uh, Kevin McLeod. If you want to follow me, you can do so at Justin R. Young everywhere. That is Instagram and Twitter. Mostly. You can also download download archived episodes of this show at bonerwars.com. If you want a place that you can talk about politics in a sane way that is not here for confirmation bias, then you can head on over to my Discord. That is bit.ly slash jury discord. J-U-R-Y-D-I-S-C-O-R-D. It's a fun time. Fun place. And of course, you can sign up for my free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. Friends, until next week, I want to remind you that some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and I heard one the other day that talked about politics, but this is the only one that talks about all three. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>